Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. So I only have one little update. Um, I've decided to put my Patreon short story series on the back burner for now and focus solely on getting my first novel completely done. I try to do a million things at once, and well, that just doesn't turn out good for anyone. Yeah, that's a uh, big thing with doing anything creatively, is just finding the balance of trying to figure out how to do all these things with the time you're given it and try not to go completely insane. But yeah, uh, that's about it for now. So with that, we're just going to get down to the story. After receiving news about his grandfather's death, Rory learns of a secret that his grandfather had kept from the family. A secret that only he could see. The Burden Rory knew his grandfather had died as soon as the phone rang that morning. How he knew, though, he wasn't entirely sure. He just did. As he sat at the bottom step of the stairs, looking into the kitchen and watching his mother tear up, Rory couldn't help but thinking about the weird dream he had had the previous night, although he didn't remember much about it. All he knew was that he woke up panicked, sweating, and panting like he had just run a mile. Rory hadn't been close with his grandfather. In fact, he could probably count on one hand how many times the man had come to visit Rory in all his 13 years, or vice versa. But every time he saw him, his grandfather always sported a genial, infectious smile. He was quiet, didn't say much, but knew quite a bit about odd and unusual things. Old Frank was a hermit through and through, Roy's dad told him later that day. He never told anyone what he was up to, not even your mother or her sister. The man was a ghost to the world, and now he was dead. Two days later was the funeral. Rory normally would have been thrilled to get out of school, but the funeral meant an hour-long car ride with his family to the town of Seeker Falls, West Virginia. And even if he wouldn't admit it, he was a little nervous. He had never actually seen a dead body before, and the thought of it kept sending chills up down his spine. Watching the domestic lines on the highway dwindle down to the raw edge of the mountain roads, Rory began to feel slightly nauseous. Before long, they were parked out in front of an old church, the gray moiling clouds above threatened rain. With quickly numbing legs, he followed his father and mother and through the front doors into the vestibule. His parents signed in while Roy glanced around. He saw nobody he recognized. He had a few cousins, but they weren't coming for some reason he didn't ask about. Roy followed his parents into the side room off of the main chapel, where he first spotted the casket and saw the face of the man lying inside it. Icy fear spread tendrils down his back as he shifted closer to his father. You okay? His father asked, putting a warm hand on his back that caused the fear to almost evaporate. Uh, yeah. Rory brushed off his dad, who must have noticed his eyes locked on the body in the casket. It felt like a mile, but he found himself next in line behind an older gray-bearded gentleman wearing an odd bowler hat. The man turned to Rory and smiled his round spectacles hiding his eyes, and he tipped his hat to him before retreating from the room. 
Rory took a breath, smelling the strange, musty odor of the old church, and stepped forward. He glanced down at his grandfather. He was laying very still, too still, resembling a wax dummy instead of a person, and very unlike the jovial man he knew in life. He looked upon the face, sunken and worn, forced into a restful expression, as if attempting to hide the darkness of what truly was. It was all too still. It was all too silent. That was when the mouth of the dead man began to quiver. Rory's breath caught as he watched the man's mouth snap open, and a gasp of deep, raspy, gurgling breath as if coming up for air after days. He watched on in horror as the eyes, the once warm brown, lazily flicked open, revealing sunken yellow-grayed orbs that turned slowly and rested upon his own. An explosion of screams issued forth from the corpse's deteriorated vocal cords. Help me, Rory! The corpse wailed and grabbed his arm. Help me! The shed! Go to the shed! Go! The frigid cold of the hand on Rory's bare flesh seeped down into his bones, rooting there. And as he wrenched away and fell to the ground, he was helped back up by his dad, a look of shock on his bewildered face. Rory looked back up at the corpse, eyes wide with horror, but saw the body unmoved, mouth and eyelids still closed, and the hands folded, as if it never happened. I need some air, Rory said through an exasperated breath. As he marched out to the car, he began to go over in his mind what he had just seen. He couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't, and he dared not tell his dad, despite his desperate need for clarity. He sat down in the passenger seat of the car when he glanced out the rainy windshield toward the tree line and saw a strange sight. Two children, a girl around his age and a boy, were standing there, dressed in white, stark against the dark forest beyond them. Their faces were concealed with crudely carved wooden masks resembling jack-o'-lanterns. The little one brought a hand up and beckoned Rory to come with them. Rory blinked, not sure if he was indeed seeing what he was seeing, when a knock on the window caused him to jump. He glanced up to the driver's side window to see his father. I didn't mean to scare you. Are you okay? He asked, trying to hide the concern in his voice. Yeah, Dad. I just... I didn't expect to see him like that. Look, Rory, his dad began, when suddenly a man with a bowler hat appeared, seemingly from nowhere. Excuse me, he said politely. May I ask your hand with something? I'm having some issues with my car. It's a newer model and I, he chuckled, motioning to himself, am a bit old-fashioned and don't quite understand how this new technology works. Roy saw the man's eyes behind the spectacles as they flitted his way and noticed that they were shockingly pale gray, practically glowing. Almost imperceptibly, the man nodded to him and tilted his head into the direction of the trees. Did he see the same kids Roy had seen? As threatening as they looked, Roy felt strongly drawn towards them. In fact, they had a magnetism of some sort, as if they held a key to a gate that would lead him towards the source of his fear. The shed. That's what his grandfather had said. At least, that's what he thought he had said. Sure, no problem. Roy's dad looked back at him. Do you want to come or stay here? He asked. 
Actually, I might stretch my legs a bit, Roy said, pulling his eyes away from the strange man. His dad nodded and got out of the car, following the man around to the corner of the church to the other side of the parking lot. It was as though he was deliberately pulling his dad from eyesight. He turned to look towards the kids who were still stood there. The little one waved again for him to come join them. Roy carefully opened the car door and stepped outside. He could feel the drizzle of the cold rain just beginning. When Roy got closer to the wood line, he noticed the boy was holding something. And as he stepped up to them, he held the thing out towards Roy. It was a carved mask, just like theirs. Hey, wait! choked Roy as the two turned and walked away. But his eyes landed on the mask. It appeared to be made of tree bark, roughly hewn to resemble that of a jack-o'-lantern. It'll keep you safe. The boy's voice was monotone and drawling, sounding strangely distant. Roy hesitated but slipped the, the rough twine over his head and situated the mask on his face. He glanced out of the eye holes and was surprised to see the gray and darkened world much brighter and flooded with his strange flickering wisps of light. Ignore the will-o'-wisps and follow us, the young girl said, as she and the boy began running through the woods. Rory took off after them, remarking in how fast they were slipping in and out of the trees ahead of him. Strange shapes of all sizes were emerging in the forest around him. Look straight ahead. Don't lay eyes on them, the girl called out. He followed them through the woods, cutting dizzying, zigzagging paths until they reached a small clearing. He caught up to them, finding it hard to breathe in the mask and gasping for breath. He reached to take it off, but the girl stopped him. You have to keep it on, she said firmly. What the hell is going on here? Who are you? Rory asked, noticing the two of them standing near the edge of the woods, not breathing heavily at all from all the running. We are the veiled ones, the boy said and the girl shot him a look before addressing Roy. Who we are isn't important. What's important is finishing Frank's will. Frank? My grandfather? She nodded and motioned toward the clearing where Rory spotted a small cabin, and behind the cabin was a shed. Are you ready? The girl asked him. What am I supposed to be ready for? He asked, still wondering what the veiled ones meant. For what's left behind... We're here to prevent your grandfather from staying stuck in this world. Like... Like what you saw at the funeral. Your grandfather's spirit will not rest, nor will he let you rest knowing that you could see him until his work is completed. Roy's thoughts were racing as the three of them began to cautiously approach the shed. As they stepped near, he watched as the other two children allowed him to go ahead of them. He stopped and looked back. You have to be the one to open it. It's warded against our touch. Rory looked at the door and wondered what it would look like without the strange mask on, dull in comparison to the vibrancy of it now. Despite appearing slightly distorted, as though he were looking at it resting from the bottom of a clear pool. When they drew closer, the viscous nature of it began more apparent. As it began to glow, strange symbols illuminating the surface of the bubble-like force field. It was as if the mask was revealing to him everything he couldn't normally see, how the world truly looked. And as he had the thought, Roy realized how ridiculous this all was. He reached out for the door handle and he noticed the children stepping further back behind him, as if preparing for something to happen. He took a breath and with a squeak the door opened, 
and the bubble vanished instantly. Just then, a force exploded from the door, sending Roy flying backwards and landing hard onto the ground. An inhuman roar rang out, and Rory froze. Standing on two legs with his back to him was something that reminded Rory of a werewolf. It towered over the two children, its black fur glistening against the twilight world around them. Rory saw that the two kids now held what looked like wands, the ends glowing with a pale light that seemed to cause a strange creature distress. It lunged at the boy who just barely managed to leap out of the way before its claws. It was then that the girl yelled something in a strange language, and a series of seven blindingly bright lightning bolts rained down upon the creature, sending sparks and smoke into the air, and causing the ground to shake. Roy held his ears as peals of thunder exploded around him. He glanced up and saw the girl slumped over, the wand barely held in her hand as smoke around the creature began to subside. Roy watched in horror as the creature stood and glared at the girl, shaking its fur as if being struck by lightning was just a minor inconvenience. She fell to the ground, dropping her wand. The small boy ran over, and the beast flung him aside and started towards the girl. It halted when Rory jumped in front of the girl, his hands outstretched. Move, the beast said, in a voice that sounded innately familiar, but he couldn't place it. I can't let you do this, he told the beast as it stared at him, his blood-red eyes now leveling down on his own. It was here that he noticed the beast had hooved rear feet and at the top of its wolf-like head were two small protruding horns. The creature let out a deep guttural growl that seemed to vibrate the very cells in Rory's body. Who are you? The beast thundered a roar that shook the ground beneath Rory's feet, and stood at its full height, towering over him. It didn't strike him, however. It merely stared down at him, a petulant yet strangely curious look in its eye. It won't hurt you, Rory, a voice said from the edge of the woods. Rory and the beast turned to see an old man from the church parking lot, strolling into the clearing, cleaning his glasses with a handkerchief. The beast growled, but Rory saw the thing take a small step back, away from the old man. Lee, Sophia, you two did wonderfully. But I lost my wand, the boy said, a sound of dejection in his voice. Never you mind that. You were not meant to draw your wands. Go back and rest. Lee staggered over, without taking his eyes off the beast, helped Sophia to her feet. She looked at Rory, and he saw a flash of her brown eyes as she limped away. Rory, the old man continued, the beast you see before you is what is known as a fawn. Fawns come in all shapes and sizes, and are an amalgamation of certain animals mostly goats and deer, but they could be others. This one is an ancestral guardian, your ancestral guardian. Rory looked at the old man and then back at the monstrous creature before him. It regarded him in much the same way, curious but guarded. You have been given the power over this being from your grandfather, and it was crucial that you release it from its prison. Franklin would have done so on his own, if he was able. Had it remained inside, it would have broken out before long. And the being like that, having been in prison for so long, would have done unspeakable damage, more likely to you or your family. How did my... He was just... Roy stammered, studying the powerful being 
he had somehow inherited. Your ancestors were once a powerful clan of magicians, and during Rome's conquest of the land that would later become England, one of your family members bound their blood to the being you see before you. It wasn't long afterward that magic began to lose its foothold in the physical realm, and so an unbroken lineage of blood bearers had to be set forth. He looks at Rory, his gray eyes glistening against the strange light of this hidden realm. You now bear the burden of the fawn, should a time come for you to need it. What? What the hell am I supposed to do with it? Rory asked, looking up at the massive beast. I can't exactly keep it in the backyard, the old man smirked. It seems your grandfather, despite his sudden illness and death, had thought of that already. He says, pulling out a necklace and handing it to Rory. He studied the pendant attached to the necklace and noticed it was made of a dark stone and carved into the shape of a horned dragon. It was the likeness of the being before him. Upon touching the stone, a sudden shift came over him, and he looked up at the beast and in an instant, he knew its name. Torgan, he said, the word in his mind as the beast straightened and gazed upon him. Enter the amulet, Rory said, and in a flash the beast turned into smoke and flowed into the stone amulet that rested in Rory's palm. He stared at it, feeling the warmth of it now, the pulse of it against his skin. The guardian cannot protect you from physical threats, as it has no power in the mortal realm. But should something magical attempt to harm you, know that whatever it is, it will have to go through it first. He turned and began walking towards the woods. Now follow me, he instructed. It was then that Roy realized he was still wearing the mask. And keep that on, will you? The man said, without even glancing back. Rory followed the strange old man through the woods, noticing how his footfalls didn't seem to make a sound. Moments later, they reached the edge of the woods, where they could see the white church steeple and Rory's parents standing near the door outside the church, talking with an older couple. Why didn't my grandfather leave the guardian with my mother? Rory asked. Even with the mask, your mother can't see what you can, the old man said, his voice fading. But Rory turned to the old man, but he was gone. Rory pulled off the mask as he made his way to back towards the church. His father grinned at him, and he shook hands with the couple. What you got there, bud? He asked, pointing to the mask in Rory's hands. Uh, nothing. Just something I found in the woods. I hope you got what you needed from your walk, his dad said, putting his arm around Rory and giving his shoulder a slight squeeze. Rory's mother walked up and kissed his forehead, and he could feel the wetness on her cheeks from her tears and thought, what the old man had told him. You know, in the strangest way, I think I did. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, feel free to give a positive rating and a review, and feel free to subscribe or follow. To keep up on what's happening with the podcast or anything I've written, brianjcummings.com is the best place to connect and see the stories in a written format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where I release two-sentence horror stories every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll be back in two weeks with another story from the darkness of the witching hour. So keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out.
Abraham walked into the woods and stopped at the foot of a massive old tree. Lee and Sophia were gathered there. Failed ones, take this time to mourn the loss of your protector, Frank Edgewood. But keep the mourning brief. The time that which you and those who have come before you have been training for is near. There will be no place for the living nor the dead to hide when the curtain falls. It is upon your generation's shoulders that the future of the world rests. Abraham turns and walks towards a sphere of light. Rory will return to you soon, and so will others. The silent dawn approaches, and there is nothing upon the heavens nor the earth that can be done to stop it. Just be ready. And with that, the old enforcer was gone, leaving the veiled ones the lost children of the woods, alone but not afraid.